This is Real Estate Rookie episode 245. Got into real estate after I got engaged, I think. Uh, a lot of the listeners and a lot of us kind of, we go through our you know high school, college years and then realize we have to be financially responsible and <laughs> figure out um, kind of, you know, how to uh, build a life. And for me, just kind of wanted to get into uh, real estate or look for financial independence, but didn't know where to start, but got into real estate a couple of years ago and, um, you know, moved across the country. I uh, bought a Sprinter van. I've lived in a trailer, done a few kind of just like out there things. My name is Ashley Kerr and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And today I want to shout out Becky Sue Elder. Becky left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And Becky said, I love the dynamics between Ashley and Tony. They keep it fun and always interesting. I learned so much from this show and it's given me the education and confidence to invest in real estate. Keep it up. I appreciate you both. No, Becky. Ash and I appreciate you. And if you guys are listening and uh, haven't yet left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, please do. Uh, the more reviews we get, the more folks we can reach, the more folks we can reach, the more folks we can help. And that's always our goal here at the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the BiggerPockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent to retirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC, but you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act 
a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Ashley Care. I am so happy you're finally saying leave us a five-star review instead of leaving us an <laughs> honest rating and review. You slipped up that time. <laughs> we, you know, I'm looking through and we haven't not gotten a five-star review in quite some time. So I think actually here's one. We got a four-star back in November. Everything else was a was a five-star. So even when I say honest, most people are honestly leaving us five. So it's it's not a bad deal. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. We really do appreciate it. it makes our day. Um, we pour a lot of our heart and soul into the podcast. So we hope that you guys really are finding value from it. And our producers do a great job of finding our guests to, to bring them onto the show too. Yeah. It's been so cool. I mean, we're at episode 245 and my first episode was what, 37 or something like that. So, you know, we've done literally over 200 episodes together and it's, it's just so crazy. It's so crazy. Like the, the number of stories we've heard, the, the messages that we get, the, impact that the show has had. And, you know, people all the time, they, they thank you and I, right? Like as the host for everything that we do. And so often we have to remind them that, hey, we're, we're just the people asking the questions. It's really our guests who bring the stories and bring the experience and bring the value. And, you know, we're just lucky enough to be able to ask, ask all the questions to people. And they take the time out of their day to sit down with us with all of our tech issues we have and patiently <laughs> wait for the podcast yeah. to get going. So, yeah, we appreciate every single one of our guests so much. And, um, so yeah, uh, if, if you guys do leave us a, a rating and review, please like, let us know what, uh, guests had such an impact on you. What was your favorite episodes? Cause I think it's about time, you know, we've hit over 200 episodes, maybe have some follow-up episodes and really see, you know, where everyone has been the last two years that they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of guests, we got a great one for today. He goes by the name of Tony also, not Tony J. Robinson, but Tony Clark. Um, So Tony Clark is our guest today. And funny enough, Tony applied to be on the podcast. And then in between his application and today, he actually ended up getting hired by Bigger Pockets. So he's now part of the the Bigger Pockets family. Um, He's on the agent uh, sales team. Uh, So he's doing some cool stuff on the agent side. But Tony's got like such a a crazy story uh, and we're going to get into it. But he talks about how immediately after getting married or engaged even, he convinced his wife to move out of their home and into a trailer and across the country. Um, but how that decision really set him up for the, the success and brought him to the podcast today. Yeah. And I, the part that I really liked is him talking about how they chose their market and then how they built out their criteria too, once they chose their market too. And near the end, he also plugs a really cool piece of advice on how he got some lending, even though he was essentially unemployed and his wife was almost employed. Um, but he was still fine. He was still able to find a bank to lend money on that, that first deal there. So really interesting story all the way around. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you. Say which Tony, uh, I know we got two of us today. (laughs) 
Well, as I mentioned earlier before we started recording, um, I don't acknowledge the other Tony on the show, so it shouldn't be a problem at all. <laughs> you know, it's actually true. We don't talk to each other a lot during the podcast. Most of it's like us talking to the guests. So Yeah. Every once in a while, we'll throw a question to each other. Like, Tony, what do you think about that? But very rare, I'd say. Oh, nice. Well, hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and excited to talk with you guys. Yeah. So let's get a, a little bit into your background. Yeah. So I... Um, Basically, I grew up not knowing anything about real estate. I grew up out in Colorado, so uh, a lot of skiing, a lot of snow, a lot of just kind of, you know, hanging out. Um, My dad was a small business owner. My mom's a teacher and uh, just really, uh, for me, got into real estate after I got engaged. I think Uh, a lot of the listeners and a lot of us kind of we go through our, you know, high school, college years and then realize we have to be financially responsible and <laughs> figure out um, kind of, you know, how to uh, build a life. And for me, just kind of wanted to get into uh, real estate or look for financial independence, but didn't know where to start. So um, started, I know we'll get into a little bit of my journey and the, you know, how it happened, uh, but got into real estate a couple of years ago and, um, you know, moved across the country. Uh, I bought a sprinter van. I've lived in a trailer, done a few kind of just like out there things. Um, my wife's been along for the ride, you know, the whole way, but, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And now I'm, I'm out here in California where she grew up and where uh, I went to college. Well, we're going to have to talk more about that Sprinter van because other Tony knows that it is my dream to (laughs) capture him and Sarah into a camper van and the three of us do a rookie road trip across the country (laughs) doing live podcasts with a vinyl wrapped camper van uh, with the rookie podcast all over it and Tony's face (laughs) across the back. (laughs) (laughs) That's a dream right there. She's been pressing hard to make this happen. So we'll we'll see if if one day. 2023 you know, I yeah. could see it the whole yeah. tour. Okay. So Tony, before we get into too much, what does your overall portfolio look like today? Yeah. So right now uh, we've got three units where we've got a duplex out in Nashville, Tennessee. We actually just sold a rental that we had out there. And then I've got a uh, a house in California that we're currently living in and might be uh, splitting into a house hack. Awesome. Congratulations on those. Well, thanks. So before we get into kind of your story, everything like that, Tell me about what sucked about your life before real estate. Like what made you decide I want to, I need to change something. I'm going to become a real estate investor. Mm, For me, it was uh, really, I realized how much or how expensive life really is um, once you kind of get into things. And I, um, straight out of college, I was working at a church. I was making about $50,000 a year in Los Angeles, which Tony, you know, well, is like making 30 grand somewhere else in the country. And, uh, then, you know, I met my now wife and we started dating and things started to get serious. And I was like, wow, how can I one provide for a future family someday, but also, you know, how can I not have to work at a job where I'm working a lot of nights, a lot of weekends, you know, long hours, um, for the next 30 to 40 years. And um, it was really then that the uh, kind of, I I just realized that I had to do something different or I had to figure out a way to um, kind of escape 
that grind. I had one mentor growing up, or not even mentor, he was one of my dad's friends who was a real estate guy. And I just remember being able to go golfing with him on a you know Thursday afternoon. Um, and he had the time freedom. He was someone that I really looked up to. Um, and I was like, wow, you know, maybe there's something to it. So I should look into look into real estate and see if there's something there. Tony, what, what kind of, you said your dad was a small business owner. What, what kind of business was he in? Yeah. So he runs a moving company um, out in Colorado, just a local moving and storage business. And and why not follow in your, in your dad's footsteps versus going down? On this other entrepreneurial route of becoming a real estate investor? Um, my dad always told me growing up, uh, when I turned 13, he was going to throw me on the trucks to show me exactly what I didn't want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's been his his thing. He you know he loves what he does. He, he's been very successful at it, but he just kind of said, hey, it's tough work. It's backbreaking work. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be the path for you unless you really, really want to. Um, and I learned very early on that I didn't want to lift furniture and <laughs> drive moving trucks uh, full time. My uh, one business partner, Joe, his dad has owned a landscaping company and it was kind of the same thing. He's worked for the landscape landscaping company for a really long time since he was young, um, probably the same age as you at 13. And, you know, his, his dad is also a very successful real estate investor. He's invested into stocks and everything like that. And, but he wanted to show his kids too, as to like, okay, you can, you know, work hard, you can use your body to do physical labor and you can make a lot of money with they, how they were doing that. But is it really sustainable? And now we laugh because his dad, who still owns the landscaping company, he has these young kids working for him. And he'll be like, oh, you know what? It's raining today. I'm going to head out to the lake, pop a movie in, and I'll be back in a couple of days. And it's like he has shown them that, you know, you build this other kind of, you know, income streams that are more passive that you can, you know, you could still have your business that you started out or whatever. But I think kind of that concept of do you want to be successful because, but you have to show up every day, you have a job, even if you, and it's like the Robert Kiyosaki thing where you can own your business, but do you really just own the job? And I always think of a chiropractor, a chiropractor most likely isn't getting paid unless they're there cracking backs. Um, and I, I'm assuming for a while it was probably like that for your dad. And, you know, maybe he's built it out now where he doesn't have to actually be the one that's doing the physical labor and things like that. But not everyone can always get to that point and like starting out, um, you know, with Joel, like the strain on his body. I mean, he complains every single day about <laughs> the backbreaking work, but this is like the money that he's using now to fund all of his real estate deals and his investments so that he doesn't have to break his back you know, every day going forward. Tony, I want to, I want to talk a little bit because you're, you started the story off with this, you know, uh, super crazy camper van, uh, journey that you went on. So how do we, how do we go from, you know, living in Southern California, making 50 K a year, working for this church, getting engaged to being in a camper van somewhere else on the other side of the country? Like what, what happened <laughs> in between in those steps? Yeah. So we, um, really, 
when my wife and I got engaged, it was fall of 2019. And so we were just getting ready to head into basically COVID and the world shutting down and everything that came along with that. And I'd started to think about, you know, what what can I do to make extra money on the side? I don't have more time that I can spend. And so what's something, basically I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and said, how can I own an asset that somebody wants? And I can't afford a house right now, so let's just find something. And so uh, I bought a Ford Transit van. So when you think of, you know, the Sprinter camper vans, you think of the really cool big ones that people drive around in. And, uh, you know, you size that down to like the food delivery truck van size. That's what I could afford. And so I bought one of those and then just kind of built it out, uh, put a bed in it and put some flooring in it and turned it into a camper van and then rented it out on Turo. Um, it was essentially Turo just for camper vans. And what's the name of that site? Uh, Outdoorsy. Outdoorsy? Yeah. And so rented it out on Outdoorsy and then basically wound up selling my car and just driving that when uh, it wasn't being rented. And so that for me was really uh, a way to just kind of say, well, I, I can make some money. I can own an asset that, you know, now people are paying for my car and paying for my gas money. And, you know, that can at least help me start to pay off part of the ring that, you know, I just gave to my uh, fiance or, you know, try to start bringing in some passive income. So Tony, how do you go from, okay, you have this, this transit van on outdoorsy to eventually getting into your actual real estate investment? Yeah. So, uh, basically the camper van was the first step. And then the next kind of in between step is somehow my wife looked at the camper van and said, wow, that's super cute. Um, we can live in a trailer on, you know, in Southern California because it's cheaper than renting. And so we actually, when we got married, we moved into this trailer that her parents had bought some property and yeah, they were getting ready to build a house. That's so interesting. So it was your, it was your wife's idea to move into, into the trailer. It was either her idea or she just like went along with it from the beginning. I think I brought it up offhand one day and I was like, oh, you know, this would be kind of fun. She's like, yeah, let's do it. And I, I found a good one. That's all I can yeah. say. <laughs> and, but Tony, were were you the one that was driving the initial interest in real estate or was she also kind of going on this journey with you? Yeah. So I I was initially interested in it. I've always kind of been a numbers nerd. Business. I was the kid that was, you know, selling baseball cards to his friends uh, on the playground at recess. And that translated into then real estate. I was like, hey, this I was really interested in real estate and I, I brought up house hacking to her first and just said, hey, you know, we could buy a duplex and rent out half and it'll cover our whole mortgage um, or, you know, even in California, cover most of it. And it took a little bit of time to get started. But the really the big thing that I uh, brought up when I was talking to her about real estate is I said, hey, you know, I want you to be able to be a stay-at-home mom with our kids. If That's always been kind of her dream is to not have to work and not be away from the family. And so I was just kind of like, hey, babe, um, you know, here's something that I think if this works, you know, I've read some books on it, but I don't really know what I'm doing. But if this works, this might be a way for you to be able to stay home with our kids um, in, you know, whatever, five, 10 years. And I'll be able to be there too and not have to be working all the time. And we'll really get to have some family time because that's something that's really important to us. And I think that was the light bulb moment that kind of went off for her where she said, okay, I see the vision, not just you want to go buy some houses and, you know, make money doing it. It's no, this is actually chasing freedom for us um, instead of just another kind of passion project or something you're working on. 
I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with is when they are approached with an idea is seeing the actual vision. Um, and a lot of times that can be a spouse or a significant other, especially if you've, uh, you know, you've started a lot of different side hustles or a lot of different hobbies, <laughs> things like that. I mean, even myself, I, um, when my son was first born, my oldest, I had a little, you know, sweatshop in my basement where I was sewing baby clothes and selling them online. And that was my side hustle. Like, and then it got to the point, like, oh my God, my fingers hurt, you know, <laughs> and I couldn't stand out there or could it, you know, be on my sewing machine anymore. I'm like, this is not sustainable. So it's like, finding people who are like, okay, you, you need to understand like, yeah, maybe I've tried these, you know, 30 different other things, but here's why real estate will work. Um, so were you that type of person at all where you had started lots of other businesses and you had that entrepreneurial spirit within yourself, but you just hadn't found the right thing yet? Yeah, totally. I, uh, I, I always had some sort of side hustle or something I was doing where I think, I, my wife's a champ for going along with all of it, but it was even like I, in high school, I remember I started a lacrosse equipment company. I played lacrosse and, you know, learned how to kind of like, you know, sewing baby clothes. I learned how to string lacrosse sticks. And so I'd hand out brochures to my friends. And then I was like, oh, this is great. I can actually email people in China and they won't know that I'm 14 years old. And I'll say, Hey, can you send me, you know, X amount of this kind of lacrosse stick and then I'll go sell them. And probably, you know, if I did that now that would not end well. And, uh, I'd go, it's probably all sorts of fraud or something. I don't okay, know. Okay. But also how old were you when you did this, that you actually found somebody to actually email in China? Even now I wouldn't even know where to start with kind of producing a product. <laughs> I don't know. It was one of those things, but I, I, I somehow found it and I was like, okay, here's a factory that I can get in touch with. But I think what I really learned from it um, and what I'm still learning is that entrepreneurial mindset um, can, can take you pretty far, but it can also um, hold you back from a lot of things if you're always jumping from one thing to another to another. And that's where that whole lacrosse equipment company in high school, when I went to college, I kind of, uh, it started to die off because my time was taken up by something else. And then I jumped to the next shiny object and the next and the next. And I think it was until I found real estate where it was a vehicle where instead of saying, oh, I'm going to go create a product, sell it this week and make a bunch of money and then have to go find something else to do. It's saying, well, here's something that's actually a long-term investment or a vehicle that I can use that is stable and that is simple and easy to understand. And I don't have to go reinvent the wheel because that's what kind of gets you in trouble as opposed to just doing the same things over and over. Yeah. Tony, you, you mentioned a, a couple of really insightful things that I, I want to circle back on. So, so first, uh, in terms of your wife and, and, and how you got her on board, yeah, I, I get that question all the time because my, my wife's my business partner. You know, we, we, we're side by side in a real estate business in so many ways. And people always ask me, they're like, Tony, how, how did you get your wife on board? Like, how did you get her to be okay with, with you investing? And I think the approach that you took of, and this is what Ashley said earlier, of, of really selling that vision about like, hey, here's what our life is going to look like once we can make this happen that's the way that you get your spouse on board is that you appeal to something that's not just like, this is what Tony wants to do, but Hey, this is what's best for our family and to allow us to reach our goals. But in order for that to happen, I think there has to be a certain, um, 
baseline of trust, I think, between you and your spouse to where they have to believe that if you say that, hey, I'm going to commit to doing this thing, that they actually believe you when you say that. And I think what you, and this kind of takes me to my second point about the whole shiny object syndrome, I know I struggle with the same thing a lot in my early 20s as well, where it's like every couple of months I was jumping to a different business idea. And, you know, if you log into my Bluehost account from like 2009 to like 2000, I don't know, like a few years afterwards, there were so many different URLs in there because I was just trying all these different things like over and over and over again. And it wasn't until I got later in my 20s that I said, okay, part of the reason that I haven't found success is because I haven't really focused in on one thing yet. And once I really committed myself to this one thing, that's when the, the success started to show. So wrapping up my point here, if you are someone who is in Tony's seat and you want to get your spouse on board, first, I think pitching them on the vision of how it positively impacts the entire family and not just you is, is the first step. But secondarily, you have to prove to your spouse, you have to give them a reason to trust you when you say, hey, this is the thing that I want to do. And that trust comes by showing them that you're actually committed to this. So that's reading a bunch of books, going to the local meetups, going to conferences, talking to your spouse about what you're learning. Like when they see that you're invested, when they see that you're taking this seriously, that's how you build that trust that they believe you when you, when you finally do pitch that vision to them. Yeah. And so kind of to move on to the next thing based off of that, now that you have, you know, you've gotten your wife on board, you're ready to jump in. How did you kind of build out your criteria? What kind of things do you look to invest in? What are you kind of setting your strategy up? Yeah. So we uh, really, when we started to set our criteria, we kind of said, well, what are the limiting factors that you know, we can't do anything about first is, you know, okay, we, we don't have 20% down. Um, we don't even have uh, 3% down in California. So let's go ahead and take California off the board. Either we need to go invest out of state and buy a rental property and keep living here, or we need to go move somewhere where we can go invest. And so that was the first thing that we wound up saying is, okay, well, you know, we're limited by how much money we have. We've been able to save up some, but where could we go where we would enjoy living, um, where we could start to build up a portfolio and um, where the numbers make sense for, you know, real estate um, where, you know, once we move out of a house hack, we're not, you know, in a negative cash flow situation. So we settled on a few different cities. We looked at Charlotte or uh, Austin at the time wasn't as expensive as, as it is now and Nashville and wound up settling on Nashville. And then once we got there, really started kind of narrowing our criteria down to um, even from there, okay, what neighborhoods would we like to live in where there's house hacks available, where uh, we knew that we didn't want to live in some of the parts of town that, you know, were either we thought were unsafe or, you know, boring or, you know, a million different reasons. But it's just like, okay, let's figure out where we would want to live, where the numbers also make sense. Um, and then from there, uh, really just kind of said, okay, let's set up a search for properties in this area. Um, and then once something comes up, we've just got to be smart about uh, putting in a good offer. I was working in real estate at the time. I had just gotten my license. And so I was like, well, we can kind of try to, uh, we might have a leg up in getting the property as opposed to other people. Uh, and just kind of, you know, went from there, uh, kind of given taking what we were given and, uh, and finding a property based off that criteria. Tony, I think that is such a valuable piece of information. You said that you looked at where you were limited first. 
and started your criteria off of that instead of just looking like, okay, you know, this is my minimum cash on cash return. This, you know, I want a single family, things like that. You started with what your limitations were. And honestly, I don't know if we've ever talked about that on the podcast, really, when building out your criteria is a way to do that. I think that is an amazing way to get started as to building out your buy box, your criteria as to what you're going to be focusing on. Remember when you had to pay to get a leads phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. 
As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. So when you did decide on Nashville, did you build a team out there? We did. So first, I we actually lived out there for a few. So we'd moved out there for a few months and spent that time really trying to build a team where we knew I was... I had shifted jobs. I'd taken a job with a private equity fund that was doing real estate, uh, residential real estate, so that I could learn the business, so that I could run numbers on lots of deals and come in as basically the realtor on our team. So we didn't need to find a realtor, but we did need to go find experts in different areas um, for you know property management eventually, uh, contractors, other investors. And really what that just came down to was those first few months in Nashville, I would just go to every single meetup I could or ask anybody I knew in real estate if they had friends who I could talk to or just basically pulling the I'm new in town card, who should I meet? And it was really surprising in the best way of how generous people were with their time uh, and willing to meet with me. And that was really how we built out our team. It was just, you know, hey, I'm going to get there. I'm going to take uh, time to meet people and get out of my comfort zone. And people were, were willing to jump on board and help us. Did you think having your real estate license was a huge advantage in getting started? So having my real estate license has helped us on one of the five properties that we have bought now. Um, I've only taken a commission once. So it has helped, but what we normally wind up doing, and if you're debating getting your real estate license and trying to figure out if it's worth it or not, you can get your license and it, it does help. I think it's beneficial to be able to run numbers and to, you know, MLS access and different things, but you don't necessarily need it because what we wound up doing is I would call the listing agent and say, hey, I'm willing to waive my commission if you'll accept our offer on this property. Or in the case of our first property, because you know our down payment was a limiting factor for us, I said, hey, I'll waive my commission if you can just give us this money in closing cost credits. So you'll pay for part of our loan fees and you know make some upgrades to the house for us. And that helped us more than just getting a commission. So... I think it's 50-50 if you want to be kind of entrenched in real estate or you think that you're going to be buying a lot of properties. It it doesn't hurt. It could cost, you know, 600 bucks a year, 1000 bucks a year to maintain your license, but I, you don't have to have it to get started or to build a massive real estate portfolio. Um, it's it's really a personal preference thing. I love that answer though, just getting your perspective on it and your opinion because we get that uh, question so often. Yeah, I just want to go back before we keep rolling, Tony. Also, Ashley called it out already about how you started with your limiting factor. There is a book called Good to Great by an author named Jim Collins. And one of my favorite business books, I've, I've read it a couple of times. And one of the concepts in that book 
And and sorry, let me take a step back. The the, the whole premise behind Get to Great was that um, <laughs> we got <laughs> we got Ashley's kids who just got home from uh, school, maybe in the in the camera, and all dressed up. Um, the the purpose of the book, Good to Great, was they they did a study on all these companies that had um, made the leap from doing average or well in their market to to doing exceptional and they maintain that level of exceptionalism like for some predetermined period of time right anyway one of the the common things they saw amongst all these property or all these companies that took the leap from good to great was that they all did what's called confronting the brutal facts and what they did was they were super honest about where they were today about what their limitations were, about what their constraints were. And having that brutal honesty about where they were allowed them to create plans that were best suited for their unique situations. Where a lot of new investors get into trouble is when they they start making these plans without really realizing the limited resources they have available to themselves. But when you can compare both the you know, this, this extreme optimism around what you're capable of with this extreme honesty about where you're currently at, combining those two things allows you to really like tap into your potential. And it seems, Tony, that's exactly what you and your wife did. That's such a great point. That's one of my favorite business books too. And I love the confronting the brutal facts because there's two ways to look at it. And I hear a lot of people that are on the extreme ends of both sides, where the one way is, you know, I'm I'm going to make this happen and not confront the facts that I don't have any money and any experience and I just want to make it happen. And it's like, well, okay, let's bring you back in a little bit from there. But on the other side, I think there's a lot of people who get stuck in the, oh, well, you know, here are all of the limiting beliefs or the limiting factors that I don't have money, I don't have experience, I don't have this, I don't have that. But if you never move past that and say, well, this is what I don't have, but what do I have or how can I get started? Then you can get stuck in that analysis paralysis for years. And I think it was in uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, where Robert Kiyosaki says, you know, don't ask, can I do it? Ask, how can I do it? Um, or something along those lines where it's just saying, okay, here's what I do have. Here's what I don't have. How can I make what I want for my next step? How, how can I make that possible? Yeah. So Tony, I just want to want to go back to the story here. So uh, you you and your wife get engaged. You convince her to move into the the trailer, or she convinces you. Somehow you guys agree to, to do that. Um, how long are you guys actually staying in that trailer before you make the move uh, across country? And how much were you able to save by doing that? I think is a bigger question. Yeah. So the the numbers behind the trailer and why we wound up doing it is. Uh, we walked onto the trailer lot and we said, okay, you know, we want to buy, we don't know what we want to buy, show us some trailers. And so they showed us some and uh, they said, well, we'll, we'll give you a 10 year loan on this trailer, you know, whatever you want to buy, you've got good credit, whatever. And it was like, okay, cool. You know, that sounds good. I was thinking on the real estate investment side where I, I don't know why somebody would give you a loan to just go buy a trailer for 10 years um, that you're paying off. But for us, it worked out where we wound up paying about $250 a month on that trailer. And we had to put maybe $2,000 down or something like that. And so to park it on her parents' lot, uh, we had a generator for power and, you know, had to get pour gas in the generator. And, you know, all in, it was probably four or $500 a month that we were paying to live in this trailer. And it was, I say it was a trailer. It was a nice like fifth wheel kind of bougie trailer thing. And so it wasn't like we were roughing it in this, you know, something you'd see at Coachella. Uh, so that was... Um, <laughs> 
so that that was helpful. But we were in it for eight months. So from basically, we bought it the day that lockdown started. So March 9th, I think, 2020 through Thanksgiving, we were there. And then we packed up right after Thanksgiving and moved to Nashville. Okay, so after that has happened, you've moved to Nashville, you've figured out your criteria, everything like that. What is are all of your investments in Nashville besides your house hack at home? Yeah. In California? Okay. So once you've built out this team and you've got, you know, your first property down, what did you think about growing and scaling? Is this something where you want to be small and mighty? You want, you know, a thousand units and a huge team? What do you kind of see for the future? And actually, you know what? Something we didn't ask, are you still self-managing or did you ever hire a property management company? Um, So we started off self-managing and what we wound up doing because I was a real estate agent out there and working primarily with investors is I wound up starting a management company. And so I took on a few clients in Nashville. And so I was managing for them and managing for myself. And I brought on a, I started to build a team. I brought on a virtual assistant and a couple of agents on my real estate team who could help with operations there. And so we just wrapped our rentals into that management company. So it's kind of a, a both and we're self-managing because I'm involved, but I would never want to self-manage if it was just us trying to, you know, uh, manage everything that can go on with a rental property. I think there's a lot of value in having a management uh, a management company. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations on with the startup of that. That's very cool. Uh, what uh, software are you guys using and what kind of like systems do you guys have that you've implemented into that management company that might be beneficial to someone else? Yeah. So when we were just self-managing our properties, uh, I was using RentReady, which I think is probably the best software out there uh, for any landlords who are self-managing. We now use Hemlane because it allows you to split up rent really well, being a manager and has some cool systems there where we can just bring, you know, it, it allows us to scale. But but those two systems, and then really we just, we post on Zillow and I post an MLS link anytime there's a property for rent and then use a, a showing service called Showami or Showami. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's, it's basically Uber for real estate agents where you say, Hey, I have a showing at this property at this time, who wants it? And other agents um, can say, yeah, I'll take it. And you pay them, you know, whatever you set a price and they accept it. That is so cool. I've never heard of that before. I've heard of like the companies where you give the, you know, the person that wants to look at it, the key code, and then it like, you know, takes their ID and sets the key code for only that window of time. But to actually have a real estate agent come in and meet them, um, and I think you described it perfectly, the, the Uber <laughs> showing units. I think that tells exactly what it is. So that's a really cool. And then Hemlane was the property management software. I haven't heard of that one either. Yeah, it was when we looked at Appfolio and Appfolio looked like it would work once we hit about 50 to 100 units. But we're still small enough that we just said, hey, we need uh, an option to kind of split rent up. We don't like taking rent in and then paying the owners, like a lot of management companies will, and Hemlane allows us to say, okay, 
rent comes in from the tenant and, you know, 8% comes to us for management and 92% goes to the owner so that we never have to have an account that's, you know, rotating thousands of dollars on it. And then it just, it, it really allows us to kind of customize it. Um, it, it, it just, it works well for a small business. Um, kind of like we are. Yeah. Awesome. It's always nice to hear of new property management software there. I feel like in just even in the last maybe five to 10 years, it has like tripled, maybe even quadrupled in the options that are out there for especially small real estate investors. And of course we love rent ready because if you are a bigger pockets pro member, you get rent ready for free to be able to manage your property. So if you haven't taken a, advantage of that opportunity yet, make sure you go to biggerpockets.com and uh, get that free membership if you're a pro member to rent ready. Okay. So then let's go to the first part of my question <laughs> that we put on the back burner there is what is your goal for your portfolio? Small and mighty, you want to grow and scale? So our goal with our portfolio is to have a few properties that have really high quality tenants who we don't have to worry about and don't have to have a lot of headaches um, while we're trying to manage them. We wound up not opting to buy properties, you know, try to get $10,000, $40,000 properties to start off and then sell those off and go buy a multifamily property or, you know, try to stack that way. We just kind of said, hey, we we want a, a duplex in a nice area of town where we'll house hack and then we'll go try to pick up another one and maybe another one. Uh, I think for us, it'll just kind of be, let's keep collecting properties where we're at. Um, or, you know, we'll, we'll buy properties in Nashville. We're going to keep doing that. I love the market there. I'm in real estate for the long term, And really we're going to keep buying there because I've seen even in the last couple of years, the appreciation on those properties is so much bigger than some of the houses that I was looking at in that, you know, forty to fifty thousand dollar range a couple of years ago where we were already able to with our first uh our first duplex that we bought in Nashville, we were able to pull a HELOC out for all of our down payment plus some um after we renovated it and kind of do a burr that way, uh, which is ridiculous even with the COVID spike in house prices, it was like, wow, this makes a lot of sense because we're in a good area of a growing city. And so I think I just want to keep collecting more of those properties. And even if we scale a little bit slower, it's less headaches along the way. Um, it's going to give us more freedom because we don't have to manage managers or you know deal with a lot of evictions or stuff like that. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, we'll we get to own properties and places that we enjoy visiting. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, do you want to go over one of your deals that you have and we can kind of go through how you bought it, what happened with it and the numbers on it? Sure. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll run through the duplex that we have in Nashville right now. So we, um, we wound up buying this deal. We found it, it was a for sale by owner. So it had been put up on Zillow. We went to the for sale by owner tab and my wife found this one and she was like, Hey, we should go look at this. And there were no pictures. There was like the Google street view was from about five years ago. And so it looked like this really, you know, kind of rundown area of Nashville. And we were like, well, you know, we, we like the park that it's near. And so let's go check it out. And we went and looked at it. There's a brand new development that had gone up right around the corner. It was this really cool little pocket of town. And uh, we so we called the owner and said, hey, 
can, can we meet you? Can we talk about, you know, what's going on with this property? And so we went out and we met the owner. And I think that was ultimately what wound up getting us the deal because it was a, a duplex that was a three bed, two bath on each side. It was built in the nineties. He built it himself. Uh, he was actually, he built five or six rental houses around Nashville and that was his retirement. And so he's like, yeah, I'm starting to sell them off and I'm going to go move to Destin. And this is one of the last ones. And he said, I've got, a." two or three builders who are looking at it to buy it a lot and you can tear it down and build two homes. And so he's like, if you can beat the builder offers, it's yours. And we're like, okay, sure. You know, let's talk about it and we'll, we'll get back to you. And wound up submitting an offer. We went in and there were a couple of things wrong with it. So we got our offer accepted. So we put in an offer at $460,000. It was listed at $425,000. And we knew that that was a steal. If we could get it at 425, it shouldn't have been priced there. And so then it wound up getting bid up to 460. But when we ran our numbers, we realized that still made sense where we looked at what else was around. It was still a good deal. So we put in the offer at 460. It was accepted and then uh, closed on the property. We started renovating one side. There were tenants in one side of the property. The market rent for that side was about $3,000 a month and they had been there for 10 years. They were paying $900 a month and had 11 months left on their lease. So we just kind of picked the, the side that we were living in we fixed it up while we were living there, let their lease expire, and then wound up renovating that side once we had fixed up our side. And we basically, you know, house act put up with the $900 a month for that amount of time. Then we could renovate the other side. And now we've got uh, one side rented uh, at 3000 a month. And the other side is going to be rented at about 2500 a month. Uh, here we've got some showings this week. So Tony, I just, I just want to make sure I'm, yeah, I want to make sure I'm understanding. So you said originally that unit was renting for $900 per month and now it's renting for 3000 per month. Yeah, it, um, yeah, it was <laughs> 10 years in Nashville. Uh, I think the, one of the properties down the street, um, some, it was very similar duplex sold at like $120,000 in 2013 and is now worth 500 grand. And the rents have doubled or tripled in most areas of town. It's wild. That's amazing. Um, so one, one, one follow-up question for me, right? So I, I know you, I guess the question is, how did you fund the purchase of this property? I know you had, you had saved up some money when you guys were, were staying at the trailer. And, you know, when you guys got to Nashville, like, like how much funds do you guys have saved up? Was it easy to get the loan? What was that process like? Yeah. So the, uh, this deal was actually the second one that we did. So the first house hack that we bought, um, we had saved up about $40,000 and that was the combination of, uh, I wound up taking on a second job in California. We had uh, our savings from, you know, living in the trailer, just a bunch of different things. And then I sold off my car. And so it was like, hey, we've, we've got about 40 grand that we can put down on a property. Um, and I was starting a new career. And so our kind of limiting factors there was we had $40,000 saved up. I had just switched from a W-2 job to a 1099 job um, where I was a real estate agent and my wife was just starting as a nurse. She'd finished nursing school. She had just gotten an offer letter and was getting ready to start. And so 
uh, when we went through the financing process, banks didn't like us very much for our first deal. Um, they were like, you, you want to do what? You want to put 3% down and you don't really have a job. You're a realtor <laughs> and your wife almost has a job. She's getting ready to start. And we said, well, well, yeah, but look, we're going to house hack and there's going to be rent coming in. We're basically going to pay zero for housing. It's going to be great. And we gave that pitch to, it was 10, 12 different banks that I was like, Hey, how can we make this work? How can we figure out a way to do this? And they just said, Nope, Nope, Nope. It's not going to happen. And eventually we found a small local bank, uh, where we got to talk to the VP of lending there. And I said, Hey, here's what we're wanting to do. Here are the numbers of this specific property that we're looking at. Uh, is there anything that you can do? Or is there any way that we can, you know, make, uh, can you write a loan for us? And she said, well, okay, let me see what I can do and how I can make this happen. And she wound up saying, okay, if you can put 10% down, I can, you know, basically run everything off of your wife's income and the income from half of the property and we can make it work as long as you feel comfortable with it. And it was uh, not the best loan terms. We were getting a rate in the fours when everybody else was, you know, high twos, low threes, but it was like, hey, here's what we need to do to make it happen. And thankfully we, we were able to talk to that local bank and, uh, and they said, yeah, well, we've got some flexibility so we can do it. All right. I've got a few follow-up questions here, Tony. First one, how did you find that bank? The one that finally said yes. Honestly, I think I just Googled local banks in Nashville. It was because of the Bigger Pockets podcast. I, there was a guest who had come on and they said, hey, I you know fund all of my deals through local credit unions and banks. And I said, okay, well, that sounds good. Let me go start making some phone calls. And it was really just Googling local banks and local credit unions in Nashville. So when you when you found this bank, um, did you say, hey, can I speak to the VP of lending? Or how did how did you get to that person at the bank? I so I called the bank and just said, hey, I have a really unique situation. Do you have somebody who handles essentially uh, non qualified mortgage? products or, you know, mortgages for self-employed people, just kind of strange situations. And that's who they directed me to. So uh, a couple illustrative points here for our Ricky listeners. First, and Ash and I have said this time and time and time again, that the smaller local credit unions and, and banks are some of the best places to go to get your financing because they tend to have more flexibility. Second, explain to them your situation and what it is you're trying to do and not necessarily the type of loan product that you want because you didn't even wouldn't even have thought to ask like hey can we just use my wife's income and can we pay 10% do you guys have a loan that can do that but when you explain the situation they were able to give you the loan product that match your unique situation and your goals so Two really important things for our rookies to understand. I just want to make sure we didn't gloss over that. Well, Tony, thank you so much for sharing the numbers with us and uh, for sharing just everything in general. Uh, your story is very inspirational for everyone. And I think there was a lot of value from that. But I want to take us to our rookie request line where you can answer a question and continue to add value for our listeners. So anyone can leave us a message at any time at one 5 rookie And Tony and I actually get the, the voicemail sent to us directly, and we may choose your voicemail to be played on the show. Hi, my name is Alex. I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I have money for a down payment. 
um, for a property that I want to house hack, I don't know what strategy I should go with. Should I go with uh, a small multifamily, duplex, triplex, or single family and try to um, make it work and wall up walls and put some 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 fixtures in that way? Um, thanks. Yeah, it sounds like you're thinking exactly the right way, where you're looking at your options and trying to figure out what works best for you. My first question would be kind of, where do you stand on the kind of comfort versus cash flow spectrum? Uh, it sounds like you've got a lot of options ranging from multifamily to single family and, you know, walling off uh, bedrooms or putting up curtains or whatever you got to do. Um, where... What is your goal in, you know, buying this house hack? Are you wanting to live for free? Because if so, in San Francisco, a lot like where I am in LA, that might mean uh, a single family house or a duplex where you're renting out everything possible and, you know, maybe sharing a bedroom with somebody, but then you'll live for free. And if that's your goal, absolutely do it. I think there's a lot of value in that. Or if you say, well, you know, I, I'm okay with paying a little bit of money per month on this property, but I want to have my own space or I want to have at least my own room or whatever that looks like. I think that's that's a very valid point. Um, and that's something that you can kind of uh, navigate with saying, this is what I I want um, versus, you know, having to, to share a bedroom. So I'd say that would be your first thing, just figuring out what your goals are outside of the finance side and then figure out maybe I would say your next step would be talking to a bank and seeing what kind of financing they'll give you because the down payment is one thing. Uh, banks will probably look at multifamily properties uh, more favorably than single family, where if you go to the bank and say, I want to rent out bedrooms in a single family house, they're more likely to say, well, we can't use that rental income to help you qualify for the loan. Whereas if you go uh, and say, I'm buying a four unit property and I'm going to rent out three of the units. They're more likely to say, okay, we can use that rental income or part of the rental income to help you qualify for the loan. And that will help you buy a more expensive property if you want to. Love that answer, Tony. Yeah. And the only thing I would add on to there is just if you're going to put up some walls, just make sure you know if you need to get any kind of permits to add bedrooms or what you're doing there, whatever town you're doing this in. But I have seen it a lot like when I was in college where dining rooms were turned into bedrooms so that they would easily turn a three bedroom into a four bedroom and be able to rent out those four rooms. And then all you had left was the kitchen and a living room. Um, so that's definitely something you could easily do is turn a dining room into a bedroom or even if there's an office or, you know, any kind of extra space beyond living room or kitchen. And I'm sure there's probably people out there that house hack that there's not even a living room provided that you have your bedroom and then there's the common area kitchen because, I mean, it really don't need a living room. You can hang out in your own bedroom, I guess. <laughs> All right. So I want to take us now to our Ricky exam. So Tony, Mr. Clark, these are the three most important questions you will ever be asked while sitting in front of a microphone. Are you ready for the, for the exam? I'm ready. All right. So question number one, what's one actionable thing Ricky should do after listening to your episode? I think the number one thing that you can do after listening to this is figure out what your 
next best step is where you know you don't need to become an expert investor overnight you don't need to know everything that uh there is to know about real estate investing to get started but you do need to figure out okay what is my next step whether that's saying i'm going to start driving a couple times a week for doordash to make extra money or that's i've been putting off uh writing writing offers on properties because I'm scared. Figure out what that next thing is that you can do to uh, to get you one step closer to your goal. Tony, what is one tool, software, app, or system in your business that you use? I'd say the most important app that I use is actually Zillow. Um, and this is something that anybody can use is just setting up keyword searches in Zillow um, and saving uh, not saving properties, but saving searches in Zillow, where if you go in and you search certain keywords like, uh, you know, separate entrance or mother-in-law suite or, um, you know, if you're looking for a house hack, something kitchenette is a good one, you know, setting up keywords that are in line with what you're looking for. Um, I, I think that's huge. Uh, and then, you know, you can really do everything you need to on Zillow. This is a, a little secret from a real estate agent. Um, anytime a real estate agent tells you they have coming soon listings uh, that aren't on the MLS yet, those are the ones that have the big coming soon banner on Zillow. Those don't exist unless they're like not even uh, listed anywhere yet. And then maybe there's a little lead time, but all you need is to have a login on Zillow and then you're, you know, you can do 95% of the stuff you need to, to get started. All right. Last question for you, Tony, where do you plan on being in five years? In five years, uh, my goal is to be able to work you know, three to four hours a day doing something I really enjoy. Uh, right now, that's I I work for Bigger Pockets uh, as a part of their featured agent uh, sales team, and that's been a lot of fun. I get to work remotely, I get to help a lot of people, um, and then I do some consulting on the side for you know real estate systems, CRM stuff, all the that boring stuff that I enjoy. I, I'd love to be able to. Just, uh, you know, spend three to four hours a day working and then spend a lot of time with my family and then get to uh, invest in real estate deals that are interesting to me. You know, if somebody brings a deal and they say, hey, there's a 50 unit tiny home community that, you know, we were looking for partners on be like, great, let's go check it out or, you know, uh, whatever that looks like. Just be able to do things because I want to, not because I have to. I think that's the goal. That is an amazing goal. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to get to the point where I'm only working four hours a week too, man. We're not quite there yet, but uh, hopefully. All right, so before we wrap things up, I want to give a shout out to this week's rookie rock star. So today's rock star is Alfred Chung. And Alfred Chung posted this in the Facebook group. He said, how I went from an underpaid employee with zero net worth to owning 1.8 million in real estate. So number one, he says, I analyzed hundreds of real estate deals and also developed a system to quickly identify the best markets and the best deals. Number two, I increased my active income by almost 2x by working smarter and providing more value to my employer. And number three, I invested every dollar I could into cash flowing real estate that appreciates over time. I'm not a real estate mogul by any means, but using this strategy has completely changed my life and my family's future. I now have peace of mind knowing that my kids will be taken care of long after I'm gone because of the single decision I made four years ago. 
Alfred, congratulations. What an amazing journey. And we are so excited to be a small part of that success, man. And, and uh, just wishing you even more success as we get into uh, 2023. And Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. We really enjoyed having you here on the podcast and welcome to the Bigger Pockets team. It's been what, three weeks since you've been working with Bigger Pockets? Three weeks, still brand new. Yeah, it's awesome. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and share your journey and any advice that you've given us has been great. Uh, so where can people reach out to you and find out some more information about you? Yeah, I, um, I'm pretty active on Bigger Pockets. So Tony Clark on Bigger Pockets, uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Tony Clark on all of those. Um, just reach out to me, shoot me a DM. I'll, uh, I'll send you my number and we can hop on a call or, you know, happy to you know, help in any way I can. I'm Ashley at Wealth from Rentals, and I was joined by Tony Stark and Tony Robbins at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. Thank you guys, and we will see you on Saturday for Rookie Reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.